Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Good morning. All right, so first service, we did this, and we're going to see if second service is better. Who's ready for an awesome, powerful message today? Who's ready? Who's ready? All right, well, hang on to that enthusiasm because like Meg said, Dan and Emily are going to be back next week and it's going to be great. You're not going to want to miss it. Definitely come back for it. I'm so excited to to receive from their overflow. Speaking of Dan and Emily, hey, can we just like, man, we love them so much. Aren't they just great pastors and they shepherd us and they minister to us and they pour their life into us? Can we just stand up for a second and give them a round of applause and just honor them? Show them how much we love them. Come on. I know you love them. Love you, Dan. Love you, Emily. Miss you guys so much. Miss you so much. Been praying that the Holy Spirit is just speaking so loud through them and that, like I said, we can come and receive their overflow next week. Man, when, when a pastor goes on vacation and sabbatical and takes that time to reconnect with the Lord, when they come back that first week, whoo, I can't wait. It's going to be good. No pressure, Dan, but it's going to be good. All right, so my name is Kevin Gregory, and I just want to take a second to introduce myself, introduce my family. Um, over here, we have my beautiful 13-year-old daughter, Elise. Please stand up real quick. She wasn't in first service. She serves our two- and three-year-olds. If you have a two- and three-year-old, they know Weesey or Wees. They're drawn to her. She's just got this spirit about her where the kids come, and, and it's just awesome to see that happen in her life. And then I have my son, Keaton. Go ahead, Keaton, stand up. Also wasn't in first service. He was serving your food. If you're in a cafe and you get breakfast, Keaton's usually the guy, one of the kids that are running the food out to you. He's my 12-year-old son. I'm definitely blessed by him. Uh, he's a cool kid. And then my beautiful wife, Val. Stand up, Val. I've been married to her for 16 years now. One of the most patient, loving people you're ever going to meet. Definitely, if you know me and you know us, you know how patient and loving she is. Appreciate her so much. That's a little bit about us. And we've been able to um, do the Thrive Ministry for about two and a half years now. And so when we took that over, we did a lot of praying for it. And we believe that the Lord gave us three things that we want your kids to walk away with. We want them to walk away with uh, how much God loves them and cares for them and created them so perfectly. We want them to know that their identity is in Christ Jesus, just like Mark said last week. It's not what the world says about them. It's not what even friends say about them. It's what Jesus says about them through his word. That's their identity. And that they can take that message to their circle of influence that God gives them. There's so many leaders back there in that Thrive ministry. Those kids, are on, they're authentic. It's an authentic group that loves the Lord and, and loves sharing that message with their circle. So in September, when they go back to school, they know that, it's gonna, we're going to have a problem of space back there because there's going to be so many kids coming to this church because of who they are and the leadership that they have. It's going to be great to see. And don't forget, Thrive Kids that are in here next week, remember, you're bringing the message next week, right? We're going to talk about what the Lord's been showing you, what the Lord's been teaching you, what you've been reading. So if you weren't here last week to hear that, here's a reminder. Next week, you're bringing the message. I can't wait to hear it. Okay, so when we go to church and the pastor's not there, it can be a little sus. Did I say it right, Elise? It can be a little sus. You don't know who's going to be up there. You don't know what he's going to say. You don't know what he's going to do. And especially, I want to clear the air right now. If you knew me, I've been up here for 22, 23 years. I only met the Lord like 17 years ago, 18 years ago. And so there was a time where I might have interacted with you, and it wasn't great. And I'm sorry. I've probably ticked a lot of people in this room off, people watching online. I know I got them, made them mad before. Sorry, I love you. 
But I'm excited to talk about that today. Doing a lot of praying about what this message should be, what it should look like. And God just said, hey, listen, what are you passionate about? What, 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 do you, what motivates you? What do you, what do you want to speak about? Well, for me, it's cultivating relationships and building relationships with people. So it might not be as polished as the last three weeks. I might not have cool, like, alliteration, RRR, might not have that. But thank you for letting me share my heart for the next little bit about something I believe is imperative to advancing God's kingdom, and that's relationships. Okay. So I believe one of the, one of the greatest gifts uh, and most important gifts that God gives us on this earth is relationships. Because every single day, whether we're aware of it or not, we get a chance to build relationships with people at home, with our wife, with our kids, with our husband, at work, at school, at play, on a basketball court, pickleball court, golf course, wherever we're at, we have an opportunity to build relationships with people. Relationships can be amazing. They help us steer people to Christ. But I didn't always have that revelation of how important it is. You know, there's that cliche, everything happens for a reason. I think it's better stated that, that in every circumstance, God is always working, moving, intervening, and he's there for you in the tough stuff, in the good stuff. He doesn't fail. He's always there for you. And it's in one of these hard times that this revelation of relationship really started, like, getting me thinking about that. All right, so I'm going to get real for a minute. Back in March, my dad was, was uh, nearing the end of his battle with liver cancer, Pretty tough stuff to walk through. And there's beauty in tough stuff. You just got to dig for it and you got to find it a little bit. You know, I mean, it's hard to see sometimes, but it's there because God is good all the time, not just in the good times. And so it was really beautiful to see. I'm, I'm so blessed to have this experience play out. It's like a story in the Bible. You know, this guy's getting ready to go home to Jesus and, and his family's gathered around him. He's sitting in a chair and we're able to like talk and have conversation and ask questions. And he would ask questions and we would be able to. It was just so cool, man. Blessed to have that experience. Ridiculously hard, and it stunk, and it stung. But, man, it was so cool to be able to have that moment with my dad. And in one of those conversations, I was able to ask him, hey, Dad, we're planning your funeral. What, what do you want us to say at your funeral? Is there anything you want us to say? And he's like, yeah. Tell him I always wondered if I loved you enough, but I realize now by the way that you treated me at the end that I must have. I always wondered if I loved you enough, but I, I see now by the way that you treated me at the end that I must have. I smile because that's a silly question. There's a lie that the enemy was telling my dad and we were able to get rid of that. But that was a question that he asked. And when the dust settles from a parent passing, you start to replay everything that you walked through. And that's when I started to understand the importance of relationships. And I wanted to question, how am I doing? How am I doing at home with my own relationships, with my own wife, with my own kids, with my own circle of influence? Do they know that I desire strong, meaningful relationship with them? And if not, what am I going to do about it? So I started thinking about past, present, and future relationships. Probably a little upset about the past ones and wanting to do so much more with the current ones that I have. Was there ever a time that selfish ambition got in the way of showing love? Did being right trump showing grace? Sweet, two services in a row. First service, Val didn't yell amen, and she didn't yell amen right here either, so I'm two for two. Thanks, Val. I love you. Here's one, Keaton. Did fear ever creep in and have me parent demonstratively instead of lovingly? How's this sound? Get off the trampoline and stop doing backflips. Why? Because I'm scared. That's, I think you're going to break your neck. Don't do it. That's my fear that I put on him. He's, he's good at that stuff. Did pride ever pop up and create division in what should have been unity in my marriage? Do I have any broken relationships that are in need of mending? 
Have I wronged anyone, but stubbornness is keeping me from reconciling? You start to wrestle with these things after a heavy season, that statement that my dad made, I always wondered if I loved you enough. And if you camp out there and you dissect that, guilt, condemnation, they can creep in quickly, right? Pastor Emily, uh, on June 12th, she always comes up here and has this awesome word from the Lord. And, uh, and I received this one on June 12th. She came up here and she said, I want to read it so I don't mess it up. She had a word of knowledge about people feeling guilt and shame from things in the past and that Jesus was reminding us that he erased all that as if it never happened. He doesn't remember it anymore, so why am I allowing the enemy to kick me around about it? Right? I love that picture, that eraser, wiping it away. All those past things that I might have messed up. It made me want to shift focus from the past, from things that I can't change and that Jesus wiped away and had me start focusing on my current ones and what can I do with it? That doesn't mean I might not have some business to do with relationships. You know, I'm going to take care of some stuff, apologize like I did before service. Again, I'm sorry. But that means I don't have to kick myself around about it anymore because Jesus erased that. It was a beautiful picture. By the way, that's exactly how my dad loved he, he loved so good. He took care of us. That was the theme of his whole celebration of life, how much he loved us and cared for us and provided for my mom. That's how I want to live. I want to I love in a way that leaves no question with my relationships. Because we as believers, we're to cultivate peaceful relationships with people. Because when healthy, those relationships allow us to do so many things. We can be supported and protected. Check this out. Ecclesiastes 4. Familiar verse, two are better than one because they have a good return for labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So you see the difference between alone and relationship. Alone leaves you cold, overpowered, weak. Relationship keeps you warm, protected, lifted up, iron sharpens iron type thing. Because we all know the enemy wants to isolate us wants to get us away from the group, kick us when we're down, start lying to us. And we've all heard the lies. We say it up here all the time. Pastor Dan, Pastor, they say it all the time. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to make that grade. You're not going to get on that team. Why even try? How about this one for my Thrive Kids? Lock into this one. They won't like you if you don't do X, Y, and Z. If you don't go here. If you don't do this thing. Lie, 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 lie. It's all lies. How hard is it for the enemy to lie to us when we're supported and protected, like in Ecclesiastes 4, where there's a brother or sister to pick us up? In the weeks leading up to this, get lied to, sure, man. I mean, every week and thrive, get lied to all the time. Hey, that message is going to suck. And again, I don't know if you can say suck in church, so Dan and Emily, I'm sorry if I said suck, but I get lied to all the time. Your message is going to suck, and it's not going to be as good as Meg. It's not going to be as good as Mark. It's not going to be as good as Johnny. And I'm like, nah, I rested there for about five seconds. And I remember Meg's message, stay in your lane. I start texting Meg and Johnny and Mark. I'm like, hey, man, this is the lie I'm hearing. I'm going to call that out right now. And I want to use that as encouragement for you to know that whatever God gave you, that's what the church needed to hear that week, that day, and that moment. So deliver it with confidence. I'm going to do the same thing. I had that community to lift each other up. They were hearing the same lies in the weeks leading up to their preparation. But we were able to come together and lift each other up because that's what relationships allow us to do. They also allow us to change the atmosphere. Through relationships and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to change the atmosphere 
wherever we go. I tell our kids in Thrive all the time, we're ambassadors of Christ. What does that mean? We get to take God's love wherever we go. That's now our circle of influence. Wherever we go, that's where Jesus is at. We get to take that message to him. Quick story about my wife. A couple years ago, recently, whatever, she started this new job, and there was a person she was going to work closely with, close proximity with, and this person, right or wrong, perceived or unperceived, whatever, had this uh, stigma about them that they maybe complained a little bit and might not have been solution-focused, right? So Val takes it upon herself. She's just going to, like, live this school year out, and she really wanted to focus on Philippians 2, 14 and 15, another familiar verse, to do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless, pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and perverse generation. Now, crooked and perverse just means people that don't know Jesus yet. I'm going to emphasize yet. That's our job to change that atmosphere so it's just yet. So she's living out everything without complaining and arguing. They get to the end of the year, and that person comes to Val, and she says, man, I found myself complaining less and being more joyful because of how you were acting. It's powerful. Like, she was able to change the atmosphere of that circumstance just by living out some fruits of the Spirit. And not only that, but there was another person, let's call it from another business, that knew this person and said, hey, what's different about you this year? Like, literally asked her that question. Oh, I've been working with Val, and just it's better to just be joyful and complain less. And so it wasn't because Val said, it wasn't because she said, hey, Jason, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't say that, and you shouldn't talk like this, and you shouldn't walk like that. That's not how she changed the atmosphere. She did it through her relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit. It was really cool to see that. Thanks, Val, for letting me share that and brag about you. Last week, I got to sit through the Global Leadership Summit. It's this, uh, watched it online, it's these leaders from all over the country and the world that get together and talk about their businesses and, and what makes them successful and how they lead their people, how they lead their employees. And every single one of them, to a T, the most successful and the most engaging speakers were the ones that had this outward in approach. They wanted to make sure their employees felt protected. They wanted to make sure their employees were supported and had what they needed. And by doing so, they reaped this benefit of engagement where, where their businesses blew up, billion dollar, million dollar, whatever it was. So watching these biblical principles play out in the secular world, all about people first. It wasn't about the bottom line. It's about people first, and that blew their business up. See, Relationships allow us to share the good news of Christ. Romans 12, 18, NLT. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. So that verse says that it's incumbent upon me to do all I can to live at peace with you. It's not what you can do in our relationship. It's what I can do to make that relationship good. What can I do to live at peace with you? Because by doing so, it gives you open doors to share the gospel. So a trial I had for a long time that I'm, I'm happy to share because the Lord helped me overcome that was I didn't fully understand the impact that I could have on my relationships because of my relationship with Jesus. I didn't, under, I didn't make that connection for a long time. I go to church, you know, spend time with the Lord during the week, but when I'm out in my circles of influence, I didn't necessarily let that pour out of me. So, for example, I like to play basketball. Meg set this up a couple weeks ago and said I'm kind of competitive about it. So, anyways... <laughs> Let's say that there was a, a bad call that was made, all right? Maybe I discussed that call in a manner that didn't necessarily let my light of, shi uh, light of Christ shine through. Does that make sense? Maybe I discussed that a little differently. Or how about this? 
let's say I'm at work and there's a, a decision that has to be made. I get to work with 11 counties in the state of Michigan. There's 11 supervisors, five directors, and 16 people that all have the same goal, but different visions on how to get there. And let's say there's a decision being made that I don't necessarily agree with. What does my words look like? What do, what do my words sound like? What does my face look like in that meeting? There was somebody here that I work with in first service, and if she had a quarter for every single time, I sent her a text message that said, uh, hey, Melissa, uh, when I'm going in this meeting, when we're in this meeting together, if my face is telling a story I don't want it to tell, send me a text message, please. I need to change that. I need to turn my camera off. I need to leave the room. Whatever I got to do, I got to fix my face so I'm not telling a story I don't want to tell. See, because what I'm getting at is there's these moments in life, in our personal lives, where we're called to live at peace with everyone. I just want to repeat it again because it, repeat this verse because it shapes the way that we view our relationships. It's incumbent upon us as believers to live at peace with everyone. And that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything and discussions and decisions can end in disagreement, but it will be a peaceful disagreement when we do this right. Because you can discuss a call on a basketball court, you can make a decision at work and discuss the pros and cons of it, but when the game's done and the decision is made, have I built a bridge of communication that still allows me to share my faith in Christ without someone saying, you got to be kidding me right now, right? Let's rewind to that basketball call. Here's a funny one. Maybe I steal the basketball from somebody. Jason Main coming at me. I'm just using it. I cannot guard him. He's fantastic. But let's just pretend that I steal the basketball from him. And he makes it back. He calls a foul on it. And I say, Jason, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding. I did not touch you. You know I picked your pocket. You know I stole your lunch money. And you're going to sit there with a trash call talking about I, I fouled you. You got to be Have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. You got to be kidding. You got to be kidding me. Oh, by the way, hey, where do you go to church at? Want to go to church somewhere? That might not be the most effective evangelism model out there. There might not be any books written on that one. Now, I'm just painting a picture because we can take that and we can examine our own relationships because it translates to whatever your circles are. Friendships, parenting, marriages, coworkers, understanding the value of building those intimate relationships in the hopes of advancing God's kingdom, that will shape the way we interact with our circles. But in order to be able to do that and build those deeper relationships with people, I think that it's important we first understand our relationship with Jesus and how Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. He doesn't want this distant from afar relationship. We know that. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6. If we have it up there, if not, I got it. It's fine. There we go. So be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. We're going to get there. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Here it comes. So that your giving may be in secret. Lock onto the word secret. We're going to rest on that for a minute. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And if we drop down to verse 16 through 18, we'll see it again. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face 
so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 4, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Say, will reward. Sorry. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In verse 18, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Three times, we've got to pick up that theme. We've got a Savior that desires intimate, personal relationship with us in secret places, not public spaces. This next verse, you go through these times in life where you, you, you lock into certain verses. And for me right now, this is, man, I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful ones I've read in a long time. And simple one, Psalm 139, 15 through 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. A long time before I ever came to be, the creator of the infinite universe thought about you and thought about me. Like that just messes me up sometimes. I, like, I picture this verse, and I always like to picture it in my head, and I picture Jesus sitting here, the creator of the universe, sitting in his secret place, literally thinking about you, literally thinking about me, a long time before I ever came to be. And he thought about what color hair you're going to have or no hair. He thought about left-handed, right-handed, your likes, dislikes, works that he prepared in advance for you to do. All your days were ordained before you ever came to be. Take a step back and think about that for a second. Before you ever came to be, he thought about that. He wrote that down. He wrote it in his book. Like that makes me feel this love of the Father in a unique way that I haven't felt before I came across that and really rested on that. Because we can run to him for comfort when there's trial, not only in the good times, but he wants this intimate, personal. He already created you. He ordained your days. He knows about it anyway, and he wants us to run to him when we're going through trials. That's what it means to be in a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus, that in all times we can spend time with the Father and trust that he's got our best interest in mind and our best outcomes. He's going to work all things out for the good. How else does this one make sense? It's a very familiar verse, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate, participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now, of course, I'm not sure how your first inclination can be to rejoice when you're going through a trial. But if we slow down and we go to that secret, intimate place of prayer that we talked about in Matthew 6, and we enter into and bask into our relationship with Jesus, that's how we can trust his glory is going to be revealed, even in the stuff of life that happens, because it's going to happen. In every test, we can choose to become bitter, or we can go deeper into the revelation of the goodness of God. Every test is an invitation to know who God is, and he wants you to come to that revelation that he's good every single time. Look, if we view these encounters and trials that we have as encounters with God, then it will shape the way that we view that encounter. And then we can have that view that we have a Savior who's with us every step of the way every time and will help us see the good and see the God in every trial. Think about like when you're going through something hard, how it makes your relationship stronger. So I talked a little bit about my dad passing away in March. And uh, four months before that, Val's mom passed away. So we had stupid winter happens. Look through and see the good and see the God and all that stuff. 
going through this painful trial, watching some of these, these scenes play out that were just so difficult with Val's mom, spent a couple weeks over there and every phone call that we would have, I didn't have any answer. I couldn't fix that. But all I could do is say, Val, I love you. What do you need from me? What can I do for you? I love you. Sorry this happened, I'll pray for you. How can I support you? How can I lift you up? I love you so much. It was so hard to watch her go through that. But it deepened our love when I didn't think that was possible and it built this unbreakable, unshakable bond that we have. And so how much more will that be with Jesus? When you go through something hard like that and you run to him and you have this relationship with him, how much more will that build your, your bond with Christ if you run to him through that? Because he's there with you through it all, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is there with open arms saying, I love you. Got relationship problems, I love you. Did you lose your job, I love you. What do you need from you? He's here, he's ready for you. It's so good. Is there chaos in your life? The person that I work with asked me a couple weeks ago, I appreciated the question so much. She said, are you all right? I worry about you. Your last two years has been messed up. You doing okay? Appreciate the question, yeah. When it looks like chaos here, but we've reached up and we've grabbed that, when Jesus is saying, I love you, come here, and I, and I grab it, like, it's good. There's peace in those moments. Even though it looks stupid right here, it's good. There's good in it. You just got to find it. Celebrating every encounter, it will lead you in a deeper relationship with him. And intimacy with the Father comes before anything else. I will try and put it together and we'll get you out of here early today. If we understand the deep, meaningful interactions that he wants to have with us through good and the bad, and he will reveal himself to us through intimacy. And when we understand that and practice that and encounter that, when we're out and about in our circles of influence outside this church, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're playing recreation, whatever we're doing, in those moments, it'll shape and mold the way that we interact. Because understanding our relationship with the Father, it will mold our relationships with people. It'll mend broken or fractured relationships, for sure. It will allow us to easily show God's love in our words and our actions, encourage and uplift our circle of influence, affect the way that we parent, affect our homes. It'll change the atmosphere anywhere we go. When we understand the Father's love and live that out in our relationships, we can reap that reward of the gift of interdependent relationships like an Ecclesiastes, brother or sister, to lift you up. We can reap that reward. So we just close quickly with two thoughts. If you're wondering if you have that kind of relationship with Jesus, like literally all you have to do is just pray. We can humbly pray to God and ask him to forgive us and accept that Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice for us. Believe and accept that and we can enter into that relationship that we've been talking about believe and accept his work on the cross was for you. Now you're in that. So two weeks ago, if you remember, Johnny painted this picture where there was a jail cell. We're in prison. We're locked up. And Jesus comes and he's got the keys to the kingdom that he paid for in his life's blood. Johnny's painting this picture. And when Johnny did it, Jesus came in and he opened the door and he asked the person, he said, do you want this? Do you, do you want this? And that person accepted it and said, yeah, I want that. My head's a little more dramatic than Johnny's. I shared this with him a couple weeks ago. My head works a little differently. And so in my head, I'm in that jail cell and it's representing bondage. It's representing 
guilt and shame and fear and doubt and worry, all the lies, all the common lies that the enemy's been doing for thousands of years. And that's me sitting in that stuff. And Jesus didn't just come in and unlock the door. Pick it! He kicks down that door. And he's like, Kevin, what are you doing? I already set you free from that. Why are you sitting in your worry and your fear and your doubt and your shame and your guilt? Get up! Yep. Thanks, Lord. Definitely grabbing that for sure. I want that relationship. I want that personal relationship. That's love God. I talked about it. Love God, love people. That's love God. And lastly, understanding the type of relationship that I have with Jesus. Am I doing everything I can with the circle of influence that God gave me to show God's love and have that peaceful relationship? Love people. Love God, love people. It's a simple message that our church puts on the back of their t-shirts. But man, if we can live that out, love God, love people, you can change the atmosphere of your stuff. Kids, you're going to change the atmosphere. Mac Trail, it's blowing up. I'm telling you, I'm calling that one school out, but we got a lot of schools represented. You're going to change the atmosphere. You're going to bring kids. Church is going to blow up. You're going to love God, and we're going to love people. Thanks for letting me share my heart. I want to close in prayer. I say, God, thank you so much for that relationship that we have with you, that you cared about us so much that you gave up your life so we could have that relationship. And Lord Jesus, help us as we go out in our communities to share that gift with the people you allow us to come into relationship with. We love you and praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dan and Emily are back next week. I can't wait. Have a good rest of your Sunday, guys. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.